The Confluence Story Gathering Podcast is a production of Confluence, a community-supported nonprofit that connects people to the history, living cultures, and ecology of the Columbia River System. Find us at confluenceproject.org. And so they're, they're not shy or ashamed to be who they are. Hello, and welcome to Confluence, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. I'm Colin Fogarty, Executive Director of Confluence. Canoe culture has been integral to the Columbia River System's Indigenous people since time immemorial, and tribal canoes are still on the water today. That's the focus of a collaboration between Confluence and Thule Films. Stories from the Canoe is the new documentary short by filmmaker Woodrow Hunt, who is Klamath, Modoc, and Cherokee. It explores the history and ongoing development of Canoe Journey. Northwest Documentary also contributed to the project. Confluence recently premiered the film at the Portland Art Museum, where we were joined by skippers from multiple canoe families along the river. In today's episode, we'll hear from Brian Kreebel and Bobby Mercier of the Confederated Tribes of the Grand Ronde, Sam Robinson of the Chinook Indian Nation, Jefferson Green of the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs, and Solly Cross and Jacelyn Lowley of the Portland All Nations Canoe Family. Solly is Cherokee and Caddo, and Jacelyn is Coeur d'Alene and Colville. Together, they'll all talk about their connections to the river, to canoes, and to the importance of keeping indigenous cultures alive today. Now, you'll hear a lot of voices in this program, so I'll jump in from time to time to identify who's speaking. We begin with Grand Ronde tribal member Brian Kreeble. First time I went on a canoe journey, my brother Bobby here had called and called back home and said we needed more polars because there was six-hour days, nine-hour days that you're paddling on the water and people get burnt out really quick um, because that's a long time to sit still. And for me, that's a really long time. This has already been too long. I definitely uh, get in the canoe and you spend about eight hours in the water wondering what you're doing here, why are you here? doing the same repetition over and over. In the video, I was in uh, lead skipper, or lead puller there, and uh, sitting there keeping the pace for everybody and uh, wondering why I'm here. And then I look back and I see 100 other canoes behind us. There was just like 109 canoes that year that was coming into Suquamish. And uh, that feeling of, uh, wow, uh, we're somebody. You know, we're, we're, they're all waiting there on the, on the land like you guys are right now and feeling like somebody. And uh, growing up where we grew up, that's kind of a rare. Been a part of a family and feeling that family, that was a good part of a canoe journey for me. Now it's time to hear from Sam Robinson, who is representing the Chinook Indian Nation. First thing, you know, our canoes, they have a soul. We've blessed them and, and they take care of us. And uh, we really feel good about that. And often, often the stories that I tell are about those rough days, you know, when you're in 14 foot swells for a mile and a half or up to your calves in water, you know, as you're crossing the Seattle shipping channels in a little canoe or, or so forth, you know, but th- th- those are the good stories, but the canoes take care of us, you know, and so it's always great. And, and then to be able to go on these canoe journeys and when you land and you connect with all these folks that you haven't seen in a year, and uh, uh, it's just like a big family reunion for folks, and uh, um, it just it just feels so great to be out there, you know. And then often when I obviously when I travel down the Columbia River, you know, so many ancestors on both sides of that river, all the way down to the mouth, you know, and it's a, um, a wonderful experience. Now here's Bobby Mercier of the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde. 
a handful of us went to canoe journeys in 2003 when we seen the canoes come ashore into Tulalip. And when we seen that, it was just like, holy smokes, this is, this is huge. And being at protocol and seeing everything that was going on, um, the next couple years we had been really wanting to go on canoe journey and just be a part of that. And knowing that we all came from canoes, we were uh, removed from the Willamette and the Columbia and put into this little tiny valley. And so there's not really any rivers for us to just make a canoe and paddle around at home. And so um, when we started talking about doing that, we had been working um, with a good friend of ours. And Chinook actually had one of the first canoes out of that and um, said, hey, they, Chinook's got a canoe, but they need pullers. Let's round up some of our guys and, and some of our families and go pull in their canoe. And so we went on canoe journey in 2005, and that was paddled to Port Angeles. And that was our first go around. And just after seeing that and, and pulling into all these different communities every, every day, every night, um, and singing all night long and dancing and, and then getting up and doing it all over again. We did that for about a week and a half. And then finally getting to our destination where there's about four or five days of just singing and dancing and protocol and feasting all night, all day long. We wanted to have that also for ourselves at home. And so we had taken all the pictures and all the videos and anything we could possibly take and bring back to our community and we put on a dinner at home and we invited our, our elders, our community, our council to all be there and we just showed all these different experiences that we had and all the places we went to and things that we had done. They have a 20, they had a 21 foot canoe. There's like max, maybe five people pulling in that canoe and the 24 footer and there was maybe seven of us in that canoe. And when you are in a small canoe and you see these pullers going past you with 13, 14 pullers, got all their horses, you know, you got a little two-cylinder, um, you, uh, you're like, we want a bigger canoe. So we, we worked on bringing that, um, creating a big canoe. And we made our canoe that we have at home, Stonkia, and... Uh, we brought that first canoe back home that uh, spring of 2006 and had our ceremony for that canoe. In 2006, we had that canoe in the water and we had 13 pullers in that canoe. And the first year we went, I think there was maybe 16 of us, maybe. And so now we have several canoes and seeing the changes that those have made in our communities and the things that they have done for our young people, that cultural awareness awakening inside of them, but also um, in our communities. Next, it's Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs skipper, Jefferson Green. My version starts in 1492. <laughs> but I'll, I'll make it shorter. <laughs> Our tribe decided to take the short route, and there were some elders from our tribe that experienced canoe journey and went to our tribe and asked if we could get a canoe built or purchased. 
and we had been removed from the Columbia for about 150 years at that point. And so they went ahead and just purchased a canoe and invested about 25000 to just get the program going. But at that point, you know, we were a whole bunch of natives in the room trying to figure out who to be a chief. And lots of different programs, departments that were absolutely will, will and kind-hearted, and all of them meant well. And at that time, I was just working in planning. I was working in planning, but going to the Longhouse. I was always involved with our culture, and I had a thing for uh, orchestrating volunteers in our community to take care of our own community. And my boss was like, hey, you should go down to that canoe meeting. And I was thinking, a canoe meeting? I, we don't have canoes. And she's like, well, you should go down there. I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to stay here and look at email. <laughs> and she said, well, I'm your supervisor, so you should go down there. So I said, all right. So I went down there, and sure enough, a lot of incredible people in the room that may not have been getting along as well as we might have thought. And so uh, the CEO of the tribe was there. He saw me come in, and he pulled me aside and said, hey, what would you think if I gave all of the reins of this canoe project to you? And I was like, um. He's like, I need a decision, like, right now. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it, I'll do it. So I go to the meeting, and then he's like, as a representative of the tribe, we invest all of the leadership into Jefferson Green, and I hope you all get along. See you later. And he left. <clears throat> and he left the whole room very quiet. So the first thing you do in that situation is say, has anyone been on a canoe? And there's one hand in this room, right? And I was like, has anyone been on a canoe journey? And I've heard of it, you know. I said, well, I promise that I will do right by you. Your voice counts. This is about connecting us to each other and just growing this for the sake of our youth and our elders. And I've been canoeing, communicating and uh, coordinating our canoe family since that February of 2010. Uh, we're only at two canoes because uh, halfway through its growth, we decided to include language revitalization. And so we started marrying those two topics of canoe revitalization, language revitalization, and then three years later we started our own nonprofit and have been going since 2019, and here we are. Now we're gonna hear from Jacelyn Lowley, the youth skipper of the Portland All Nations Canoe Family. She's Coeur d'Alene and Colville. So I'll just talk about my experience. And I think that one of the most memorable and important moments to me was stepping out of my comfort zone when I was asked to ask to come ashore. And I was really nervous. I don't like public speaking. <laughs> I don't like speaking in front of people, especially like big groups. And so asking to come ashore like, I have to raise my voice, there's no microphone, nothing, and like, ask them to come ashore and share food and songs and culture, and I think that was like, I don't know, it was really important to me, but I was really, really nervous, and that's the most important memory for me. Our next speaker is Sally Cross of the Portland All Nations Canoe Family, who is Cherokee and Caddo. I got involved with the Portland All Nations Canoe family in 2017. 
I had been, I had actually seen the canoes land in uh, Nia Bay in 2010. Um, and uh, we drove all the way out there at the time. Me and my wife lived uh, in Seattle, and so we took the time to go meet that. And we got there so late, like every, all the canoes had landed and left. <laughs> but they gave, they fed us, you know. And, uh, but I remember going down and just being like really impressed upon, like hearing, you know, oh, they, you mean they paddled like 14 miles to get here? Like, you mean on the ocean? All of these canoes, you know, and they were there, and they were just beautiful. And it, I was like, gosh, I wish I had seen that. And I never saw another canoe again until um, Portland. Then I came out another time, maybe a, you know, four, five months later. Um, so I, and I definitely, I was not asking to get on to the, on the canoe because I'm Cherokee, and Cherokees don't, you know, get on canoes. Uh, <laughs> I knew uh, my dad's side were also. Caddo, and uh, like I knew, I've seen a canoe like in our pictures and stuff, and because Caddo's are on the Red River in Texas, and like they really did canoe. Uh, they're they're called river people actually, and I remembered all of that, but I wasn't saying that. So came out of 2017. They said just like maybe your experience, they needed pullers because they didn't have pullers, and I was grieving the loss of my sister. I remember looking uh, out at the ocean at dawn. In that river, there's a huge fire, wildfires, where just the whole time I was like, is this healthy? I don't know, we were just paddling in like smoke, you know, the whole time. So it was kind of sad and eerie at the same time. The sunlight came up and I just remembered um, thinking how just incredible that was as to be a human, to be native, um, to be like that connected. And I was also like so exhausted at that point. So it was like really, just felt really part of the water. I was like, okay, that's great. Um, incredible for me and I saw you know, thousands of Indians coming and singing and dancing, and it was just really powerful for me. And I thought, uh, if I never have to get on a canoe again, that's, that's okay. I had this incredible experience. I'm trying to help pass it on to other, other people and to help them find, you know, their songs and, and reconnect with their people and remember their, their history. You're listening to Confluence, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. Youth are always at the forefront of canoe cultural revival. The speakers in this program, including youth skipper Jacelyn Lowley, talk about the importance of passing this culture on to young people— Again, we begin with Brian Kreebel of the Confederated Tribes of the Grand Ronde. We come back home after going on those first journeys, and everybody's hungry for singing, getting together, um, jamming songs from whether it's from a neighboring tribe or somebody else where they fell in love with a song. And uh, just seeing all the kids out there dancing and singing um, really is something that we didn't have the, that opportunity uh, as kids. And uh, whenever we land, I don't want to talk and say anything, so I always put it on somebody else to ask permission. So wherever you're sitting in the canoe, you're, you might be on the hot seat to ask permission uh, for us because I don't want to. <laughs> and so uh, I usually ask a youth who wants to be chief for the day, and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you get to ask like a chief, you know, speak, speak with your your big boy voice or however you, you know, need to speak. 
and ask permission to come ashore. And I believe opening those doors, putting them in the skipper seat, if I just set up one seat and let anybody skipper, it's a good feeling for them to open doorways for them, those opportunities that help for growth. Sam Robinson also had some thoughts. He's representing the Chinook Indian Nation. As he said, things that we didn't have when we were growing up, you know, it makes me proud to know that, you know, my granddaughter, Destiny, you know, I mean, she visited the Cathapoto Plank House when it was open first time, and she was like three months old, so she's growing up always knowing plank houses, and then we get the canoe, and she always knows canoe, always knows songs, you know, so seeing those young people come up. And then, obviously, with traveling with the Grand Ron, seeing kids when they're real young and growing up, it's just amazing, you know, and you go on these journeys and you see other folks that are growing up. But they're growing up in a good way, you know, and canoe, canoe families help them do that. And uh, I, I always feel positive about getting, getting kids involved with canoe families and th- that healing that they get out of that. And, uh, and the spirituality, connecting with the ancestors is one wonderful and the other thing that with the canoe journey too is you know chinook people for thousands of years traveled everywhere we've got cousins everywhere so it's always good to be able to to see that as well yeah (laughs) you know skokwal is a wonderful canoe you know the skokwal means lamprey eel because we felt it could climb the falls like a lamprey eel and skokwal has treated us well over over years but uh uh I don't know if it's unfortunately or not, but you know we did have a relationship with those two boys, Lewis and Clark, and uh, we, we we saved them. And then they, when they went back up the river, they stole the canoe from us. So 200 years later, you know, when they uh, decided to have the commemoration, we made uh, some of the Clark family feel real bad about that stolen canoe. And so, so how it went. My cousin Ray was chairman at the time, and he made a relationship with some Clark family members and. They wanted to replace that canoe because of the relationship that Ray had. And uh, having, having that canoe really makes it possible to travel. The sharing of songs, you know. So we, we get our youth out there, and it could be 4 o'clock in the morning you go in there, and there might be a, you know, a community song going on. But it's, it's an amazing thing to see three, four, five hundred drummers in the middle of the arena drumming and a, a couple thousand people dancing around there. And there's so many people they could barely move. But the youth, having the youth come up and watching them grow up over the years is just, just amazing. I've been, I look at pictures all the time and see little kids from all different tribes in our plank house singing, and it's, 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 it's wonderful. Now here's Bobby Mercier of the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde. You're talking about our youth, you know. Um, after those first couple years, the youth that we had taken on journey come back taken on journey again, come back and see how they became mentors in our community for other youth and kind of just how they were living their lives and the things they were doing and them getting together on their own without us adults and singing and dancing. Um, We have a big basketball court in the middle of our, our tribal housing and to be sitting there and hearing the kids eight, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night outside singing is something that we always prayed for because like my brother said we didn't do that when we were younger we didn't have a lot in our community and so to hear that it's powerful in itself that they take it upon themselves to do that and something that a lot of us in our age that it wasn't something you did every day it wasn't something you're around it wasn't things that were happening in our community 
out in public. To have our kids doing that on their own and then our kids today growing up not knowing there's a difference, not knowing it's not different, it's not weird to be who you are. It's not different to stand up and just sing. And that was a prayer of, of ours in the beginning that they would never be ashamed, they would never be shy, they would never know what it's like not to have that. And so today when we see our kids stand up and they, they speak language and they sing and and they communicate with other youth and they go to different communities and help out and do things that that I think was a prayer that had been answered. And so they're they're not shy or ashamed to be who they are and and to express where they come from. And so we see that today in our community. And whether it was them sitting in that canoe or being around the canoe or being in camp or being at protocol, whatever it was that we all brought back and put some fuel on that fire that was a spark inside them that uh, we woke that up somehow in all our communities. And, and we see it in every single one of our communities. We see it when we go to each other's community. We see how the kids are. And that's something that's truly beautiful. Next, we'll hear from Jefferson Green of the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs. In our community, we're pretty rural. The closest major city is um, an hour. And I guess kind of being from a place like that, some of our cultures remained, and some of our people are just trying to survive. The way that we live, you know, modern, it's not indigenous to our DNA. And so you might find a lot of families still figuring things out. In the midst of that, you have a lot of denominations on reservations too, working to save the Indians. And in the midst of that, our ceremonies still take place. And so it's interesting at that time of my life to not try to push our culture or in English, they'd call it spirituality onto children because you don't know what backgrounds their families come from. And so we really just kind of treaded really lightly. It was just a program that we took kids out on the water on Saturdays and we'd paddle six miles out and paddle six miles back. We'd start the day with either, either a song or words and then end with song or words. Uh, but we still took care of each other. We constantly reminded them, look at what it feels like to work together. Look at what it feels like to get along. Look at what it feels like to connect with someone that you have to sit with and you have to be in sync with someone next to you, in front of you, behind you. Look what it takes to feel supported in this circle. And when we got to Canoe Journey, our kids didn't know a song because we didn't push it on them. They didn't know dances, they didn't know stories, they didn't know the language for that matter. And so we got all the way to Squaxin Island. All those tribes and youth took the stage and were so proud of who they were and where they came from, from way up north or way down south or way west or east, any direction they came from, they just were very happy and proud to share what they are about. And we did protocol that day, and it was myself and a couple of grandmas that sang a song and then 
we did a little giveaway and that was our protocol. The next day, our kids saw more kids up in Nisqually and they were taking the stage too. Youth that knew their language, knew their culture, their stories and their dances. And, and that's when it like clicked with us. And they were like, do we have songs? Do we have dances? Can we, can we do something more than just you and grandma sing? You know, and so it was like, yeah, let's, let's do something then. And so our next stop was Puyallup and we were on our way to Macaw on the Pacific Ocean. So we had a lot of time. Um, and I was, I was in tears, I was very moved, because at that time, even being 25 years old, I was the youngest in Warm Springs ever holding a drum. And so, to see a 13-year-old singing and dancing and just proud, they're the ones that made it cool to know culture, and made it cool to have a connection to where they're from. And so we've grown every single year since 2010, just showcasing our culture and language and dances. So uh, thanks for our youth. Yeah. And now we're going to hear from Tsali Cross of the Portland All Nations Canoe Family. He's Cherokee and Caddo. I'm an urban Indian, so I didn't grow, around, grow up around other Indians. I go back every summer and visit my cousins, and we, we do powwows and, you know, um, and I hung around a lot of Indians in, in Oklahoma when I was growing up, but not where I grew up, uh, sort of northern of that. But I would go back, and I would also see the, my capital of my people, and uh, it's pretty sad, you know. And it was. I mean, we were not, you know, really thriving until, like, the casino came. And uh, our, our people have done well, they've reinvested in education, they've like revitalized, and now you can't go anywhere without seeing like Cherokee art services. We have like four different hospitals in the area. It's incredible. Now I go back and I feel really proud. I'm like, this is must, what it must have been like, you know, before contact. Next we hear from Jacelyn Lowley, the youth skipper of the Portland All Nations Canoe Family. Growing up, I would always be traveling like with my family back in Idaho and like be going to powwows and stuff. But then I was like put into the foster care system. And so coming down to Portland, being away from like culture and stuff, I mean, they would always take us to like powwows and stuff like that. But being able to come to like our canoe family was really helpful. I think that it was like every weekend. And so every weekend we would like come and all of the youth would like gather together and we would like go have our own little meetings while like the parents and the elders and everyone had their like actual, the actual meeting and we would just like play and like sing songs and stuff like that. And I think that that was really helpful coming from like being around natives all the time to being in like an urban setting and being in predominantly white schools. I think that being able to see other natives and learn our culture and sing and dance in like a safe place was really important. And and I'm really grateful to be in the position that I am in. And being able to be a youth skipper is really important to me. And even though I don't always want to like travel or like do all of these talking stuff, I think that it's like really important to like show our youth that even though you're nervous, you can still do it. I think you just have to have those people remind you. I don't know, everyone always tells me that I'm a really bossy person. <laughs> but like when it comes to like 
getting kids to listen to you, especially being in the skipper seat and like being on the canoe and it like being all youth and like one adult. I think it's really hard to like try and get, especially with my siblings, it's hard to get them to listen to me. And like if they're not listening to me, then their friends aren't gonna wanna listen to me. And so it's really hard to like try and navigate and like be gentle, still be gentle, but like get them to try and focus and pay attention. Being in the skipper seat, it makes me feel powerful. <laughs> You've been listening to Confluence, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. We've been hearing a gathering at the Portland Art Museum where skippers from canoe families gathered to share culture and discuss the role of canoes in history and their lives. Check out the new film Stories from the Canoe at confluenceproject.org. Thank you to skippers Brian Kreebel, Sam Robinson, Bobby Mercier, Jefferson Green, Jason Lowley, and Solly Cross. Thank you for listening to Confluence, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. To find out more about Confluence, our five completed sites along the Columbia River system, and our educational programs, check out our website. And remember, Confluence is a community-supported nonprofit. We can only do this important work because of the generous support from the Friends of Confluence. That's you. Join us today. 